0: Only
1: redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. The birth order thing first became an object of study in 1874. What fresh hell. (laughs) Laughing in the face of motherhood. Firstborns are voracious accumulators of knowledge and facts. With Margaret Abel's and Amy Wilson.
0: Then the middle child is kind of interesting because the middle child tends to be the peacemaker
1: a podcast that solves today's
0: parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. Uh, youngest children tend to be more creative. I like this topic.
1: Okay, welcome to the show. This is Amy. And this is Margaret. And this week we're talking about birth order. Is it is it a real thing? And should you uh, address it in your parenting?
0: I like this topic. My mom... I won't say she's an expert in birth, birth order, but she um, did family therapy for a long time and she was very fascinated with the topic of birth order. Did she,
1: did, I mean, there are some people who say it's, it's like a horoscope or something that it, like, of course you're going to see No, she was a believer. She was, she was a, pretty
0: much a believer. I mean, it's like anything. You can find exceptions to every rule and there's no, nothing hard and fast and birth orders in your destiny. All that stuff is true. But there are some things to birth order that are just interesting. So tell me about your, your third, right? Third out of four. I'm third out of four.
1: Are you, uh, are you a middle baby? Like, does that, does that ring true for you? Yes.
0: I'm also, it's boy, girl, girl, girl in my family. So I'm third and there's a, my brother and sister and I are born one each, each year. So we're a year, each a year apart, and then my sister's five years younger.
1: Once again, you and I have a very specific uh, sliver of, of experience to offer in this way, like two Irish Catholic families with really closely spaced siblings.
0: Yes. We're gonna do a so deep dive into that. Are you number one? I'm
1: number one of six. You're a
0: total first child, don't you think? I mean, I'm I feel like a... your textbook.
1: Let me read you one thing I read last night I was as I was reading Dr. Kevin Lehman's birth order book. Uh, given to me by a fellow firstborn saying, I like this that work. you
0: read a book I totally googled birth order fun facts but I like that you read a book that <laughs> so kind the, of, that's a birth order marker right there first so this, child versus so, third child so the,
1: I need to preface this by saying this was given to me by my friend Sean Conroy who has another great podcast called The Long Shot Podcast that I totally recommend I've known him for years he's the oldest of five and he gave me this book probably 15 years ago and said you know read this it explains everything so I, I, you know, dusted it off and looked at it to, to prepare for this uh, podcast, and sure enough, it says that firstborns are voracious accumulators of knowledge and facts.
0: You're guilty. <laughs>
1: and I thought, it's true. It's really true. I, I mean, I am definitely a firstborn, and and but then my family has a particularly strange. We have we have a caboose that came years later that actually changed the birth order in our family. So I had. I had a brother who was sandwiched between two older siblings and two younger siblings that were both very closely spaced, each very closely spaced. So my brother Kevin was a classic middle child. And then all of a sudden, my brother Michael came along. He was the caboose. I was already not even living at home anymore. That's how that's how widely spread we were. I was 19 years old when he was born. And, and my baby brother Michael completely changed, flipped the birth order around so that my brother Kevin became the oldest of the new second family if you see what i'm saying and my and my baby sister became crashingly suddenly a middle child and uh i totally saw it play out in real time because i was in college by then so i saw i saw it affect my siblings and i mean not like it was horrible or anything but i saw i saw it happen but back to you so tell us that you you also have two older siblings who were very closely spaced one boy one girl
0: we're three and three years I'm the youngest of that threesome. And then five years later, another sister. So I'm the middle of the sisters. I'm the youngest of the first three. But then I became a middle child, kind of like what you're saying that happened with your brother. So it was a shocking change for me.
1: (laughs) And are you, as a result, as a result, as a result, are you fairness obsessed?
0: That's interesting. So that whatever happened worked out great because I turned out great. Yeah. So So do do what your parents did. Exactly what my parents did with me. (laughs) No problems at all. Uh, I am, I think I'm classic uh, youngest child. In that, youngest child, right? Typically. So let's go through some of the categories. Okay. Just
1: a few of the potential characteristics.
0: Oldest child is intellectual, tends to have a higher IQ. Although right, like two, negligible two points, though. one or two like, points, yeah, yeah, not not by much, but still, uh, gets lots of attention. Identifies with be... the
1: parent. They're parent. their parental surrogates,
0: right? And so they and... grow up to be
1: very authority identifying. Correct. But there's also out some... of the first
0: 23 astronauts sent into space, 21 were firstborn children. That was
1: the one I was going to cite. Yeah. So first kids are very driven. They're they're authority identifying. They are perfectionists and they're um, anxious. They're more likely to be anxious than younger children. Correct, and which and I'm going to say yes,
0: touche. It's all true. Right, you're you're dead to rights. Yes, uh, youngest children tend to be more creative, freer spirits. They got less attention, and so they le- they are less likely to seek uh, parental approval. I and think they're more op- yeah, child, they're more optimistic.
1: They're more like it'll probably work out. I mean, I see this in in my youngest sibling and my husband's youngest sibling, like, I could worry about it, or things will probably work out pretty well anyway, so I'm not going to, um, you know, worry this thing into existence. I think that's a good way to be.
0: Yeah, and they you just see how it plays out in terms of, like, they their parents weren't hovering over them as much, and so they don't have... As much of a desire to be constantly fulfilling expectations and they can't as the first, use as the Amy Wilson child
1: I, I my research indicated in an interesting thing I hadn't considered which they can't use physical dominance like oldest siblings can um, and so they have to ha- use other means of getting attention and and getting their way so they become well, smooth, smooth talkers I
0: see in my own children and it makes me laugh and like it's so the thing of You know when you read i have young boys and we're constantly reading books about animals and dangerous animals and dinosaurs and how each of them has their own defense mechanisms and you know this one has a spiny tail this one has a plate in its forehead so it can ram into stuff and it's just really interesting like the biodiversity and how it all turns out and then i look at my three kids and like my oldest is the biggest and the strongest and kind of the most domineering by by virtue being the oldest my next guy is kind of wily and charming and can kind of get his way in his own like devious ways yep and then my daughter has this high-pitched scream that (laughs) renders her brothers completely powerless like it's totally her like head plate that she can bang into things with like they are just they've adapted to their own roles and they've each figured out their own ways to get stuff done that's Fascinating. And And like when little sister pulls out the scream of doom, like it's her trump card. Like no one can fight that high pitched scream. My
1: brother, who is the youngest of this large family, he came up with this coping mechanism as the youngest that I now see in my sister's youngest. So she has three boys and a fourth on the way. So she's you know, another uh, Irish Catholic exactly. sampling of yes. very closely spaced brood.
0: Be fruitful and multiply. Exactly. Lessons.
1: She's taken that to heart. Well, anyway, so so my nephew now, and I, and I saw it as a youngest of three, and I thought, oh, my God, my, my youngest brother was just like that. He'll sit at the table. And he'll say, mom, can I have some juice? Mom, can I have some juice? Mom, can I have some juice? And he'll just say it. He won't get angry and he won't get louder, but he'll just say it 18 times in a row until somebody acknowledges him. And both of them came up with that same coping mechanism that I'm not going to give up and I'm not going to get angry, but I'm going to have to say it over and over before somebody acknowledges me. And, and they they both figured out that same, that same way. And so I think that will help them as adults to be more persistent, certainly, and patient.
0: Yeah, I mean... And and that's the thing. I mean, all of these are useful skills, but they're just different kinds of skills. Going all the way back to the beginning, this was
1: the birth order thing. First became an object of study in 1874. Charles Darwin's cousin was the member of something called the Royal Society, you know, for smart white men in London. Right. And he noticed that almost everybody in the society, he started taking a little informal poll, were eldest sons of course women weren't invited so so they were all first children and he brought this up to right his and cousin. also
0: at that time being the eldest son of a family conferred a whole societal element that can't be discounted there too primogeniture and all that there's- yeah i mean you were you were inheriting the land you were going to be the king you know i mean there was lots to being the firstborn son. son
1: there, there's a, a- doctor named Frank Sullaway, who's been studying birth order his whole life, and he points out that in, in every society that has ever been surveyed by an anthropologist, there's something about the oldest child that they get set apart, that they get special um things special things accrue to them, but also special special challenges. And of course, if uh, in the old what testament they were the ones that got killed.
0: Of whom? <laughs> Much is given, much is expected. Yes, first children. So, it's good and not good? But
1: they, not my problem. Doctor Salloway makes this interesting point that it really the birth order thing really is survival at the fittest at its most base level. You know, back to, uh, before eighteen hundred, half of all kids born didn't make it to adulthood. Right, half, and so you know, clamoring for attention and survival among your siblings was was it was literal survival. So now we're all. We've got more cushy lives than that, but the kids are. They're they are fighting for our attention and our love in ways that they're not even necessarily aware of, I think.
0: Well, I remember my mom saying to me at some point in high school when I was wolfing something down at the dinner table, and she sort of laughingly was like, you eat like someone's going to take the food away from you. And I'm like, hello, I'm the third <laughs> child in three years. Like, that's exactly how I eat, right? Like." yes we had enough food i wasn't literally fighting for food but my experience of the dinner table was always being the littlest person there and and my sensation that clearly got hard- hardwired in was like if i don't eat really fast someone else is going to get all the food even though it's kind of ridiculous at our like lovely patricia dinner table where it wasn't exactly like wolves fighting over scraps but there is that stuff is can be very very subtle but it does sort of creep in
1: um so for you're a middle child right yes they kind of i was youngest
0: for five years and then i got bumped into the middle yeah
1: see okay so i think the experts would say that makes you a youngest that that. i
0: think i'm youngest
1: because of course because how unlike me i did a deep dive on this looking up like okay but (laughs) what if you're adopted and what if you're this and it's sort of the the birth order situation that you were born into That shapes your personality, right? Before we
0: go any further, I think we should just talk really briefly about, for people who don't know anything about and haven't dealt with this birth order stuff at all. Big picture is, first child is intense, intellectual, rule follower, respecter of authority, uh, possibly prefers the company of adults and is sort of mature and sober. I, I find you as
1: a younger child to be perhaps um, reaching for the positive adjectives to describe the, the oldest child. <laughs>
0: <laughs> trying, trying. <laughs> so hard. Also annoying, uptight, and kind of a helium hand in class. <laughs> That's the first child. Then the middle child is kind of interesting because the middle child tends to be the peacemaker, very loyal. Values, um, commitment. They can go along to get
1: along. They can seek compromises. But I think they're also obsessed with fairness. I read that and that really registered for me. And that,
0: I mean, that to me, that's when I think about middle middle children, that obsessed with fairness thing is it's fascinating like that. That I can't I almost can't think of an exception. And sometimes it's so clear that it kind of knocks your socks off. How much that's true.
1: Well, I've talked on this podcast about my child who's a sort of love measurer and present yes, counter and your That's middle, my child. middle. Yeah.
0: Of course. Uh then the youngest child tends to be uh less rule oriented, more artistic. Yes. Uh
1: great communicator, I think. Right smooth like we said before, smooth talker because they can't punch their way to get what they want.
0: Right. Uh so um they can sweet talk kind of or <laughs> Diplomatic to the point of being maybe a little shady.
1: They're uh, they're flexible. They're flexible in their thinking. The youngest is, I just read this and it, and it hit me like a bolt, exactly. The youngest is going to be your most reluctant reader because they are playing mm. up the role of being the baby in the family and they're being read to. And the parent, because this is your last, right? I think of my third grader as being young and so deserving of my time reading Harry Potter to her whereas her her brother her oldest brother when he was in third grade he had a four-year-old sister that I was reading to and he was reading to himself by then do you see what I'm saying and so that that really made sense to me that the the youngest kids sort of get all the benefits of being the last one and so they can get sort of the short end sometimes of the household chores they don't have to do as much they're I do find myself thinking that my daughter can't possibly drag a suitcase through the airport or things like that, that I, by the time her, when her brother was nine, it was like, get your brother, put him on your hip and and pull two suitcases and let's go. I had no patience for, for the oldest at nine year old, not being able to be 100% helpful all the time. I read something fascinating that, that without, without getting into our current political climate, I will point out that later borns in a times of intense, radical, political, or social change are more likely to change their minds. So Dr. Mm-hmm. Solloway did this research on people like Galileo Galilei or Copernicus or like things that were really changing the way people think. The people who are likely to accept those points of view, well, first of all, put them forward and then be accepting of them, were later borns. And the you know high priests and the people who were throwing people in jail were first borns. So that later borns are more likely to change how they think.
0: And is it birth order or some of that? And they talk about um, this, that like parents impose some of these stereotypes within the family themselves because you tend to say like, okay, firstborn, you're in charge if I have to go out for five minutes or you be the leader or you make sure everyone gets their coats on. And so you, within the family, you constantly identify, one constantly identifies their oldest child as the leader. And so in that way, they start taking, it's like Sheryl Sandberg's whole rap about don't call girls bossy, tell them they have leadership skills. Like my daughter in our family tends to fall into the role of help your sister, tell her what to do, show her what to do because of her birth order, because her oldest brother is often charged with just because I need the extra set of hands, helping her get her seatbelt on or whatever it happens to be.
1: I think that's a really good point. I think, I think this is a good point to take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk about how not to lean into those assumptions of the roles that your kids should play and how to be the best parent to each kind of kid in your family.
0: Sounds good, all right, we're gonna take our first break and share this little comedy piece with you, and we'll be right back.
1: What birth order might mean in your family.
0: Oldest child. We had his suit for First Communion tailor-made by a guy in the city. Middle Child. They were having a sale on suits, and this one fit him perfectly off the rack. Youngest Child. Listen, we're not getting a new suit. Just suck in your gut a little bit. Your First Communion only lasts an hour.
1: Oldest Child. I mean, he's only turning one, so I figured, keep it simple. Two open bars, pasta station, then the dance floor opens at six. Middle Child. We have definitely got a one candle in the junk drawer somewhere. I will keep looking. The youngest child. Oh my god. Was yesterday the
0: 19th? Oldest child. Oh, sweetie, that sounds beautiful. I love listening to you play. Middle child. Sweetie, that's nice, but could you keep it down? Mommy's on a timed level of Candy Crush. Youngest child. Listen, I'm sorry, kid, we bailed on getting you piano lessons. Play some music on this iPod. That's what technology's for. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your
1: sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns
0: different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is
1: L-U-M-E-N dot M-E, Lumen dot me, and use the code fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring
0: this episode. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is Okay, we're back, and we're talking about. So now we know what birth order is, right? We've gone we, through it, right? We know what birth
1: order is. I think we've come to an agreement.
0: That Thanks yeah, to yeah, Amy, it's a thing. we know what year <laughs> Charles Darwin's cousin discovered birth order.
1: I'm a voracious
0: accumulator of knowledge
1: and you facts, and I'm not word. going. I'm going to wear that like a badge. I'm an oldest child, so so, so yeah. Now- so now it's, it's a thing. It's real. We see it in our kids. We have to be very wary to not lean into it in our parenting and unwittingly sort of solidify those roles, right? We have to sort of try to do what we can to play against it. Lest we grow up with an oldest child who who is unable to, um, <laughs> to compromise ever in anything and a youngest child who will never leave our basement.
0: Oh, yes, let's not have that. And <laughs> definitely, I think the problem with any identity that you offer or accidentally or purposefully foist upon your children is that we've talked about this a lot with different things such as the picky eater episode where we talked about not defining kids as picky eaters like oh you wouldn't want that you're a picky eater right I'm not letting other
1: family members do that right well I know he's not going to have any
0: yourself Mm -hmm. we're letting other family Mm -hmm. members do it and that as you start to in that way, sort of accidentally and perniciously start to tell kids a story about themselves, it can be problematic because then it offers the kid the opportunity to either just sort of give in and be that identity or to kind of rebel against that identity in ways that may not be all that helpful. Mm -hmm. For example, like, if the older sibling is super accomplished, type A, perfect student, student council president, the second child may find that they are like, "Oh, that identity is already taken, so my identity by default must be family screw up."
1: I think that's that's a thing they call that de-identification, and and it and it is it's that the the next sibling, the middle child, will zig where the older one zags. I mean, we all know that to be true, but right, right. it's actually there's actually a psychological term for it that they just want to define themselves as not the same as the older sibling, whatever that That's is. That's right.
0: That you just, that people have and kids have um, a default, which is to define themselves in opposition. And so when the birth order definition or whatever definition it is that you're giving to your kids, you have to just know what that story is because it starts to inform a lot of things that happen. And I definitely had that. My brother and my sister, and we were three in three years, we were like Irish triplets, basically. They were both super accomplished students and incredibly intelligent and like sailed through school and did everything correctly. And I was a pretty decent student and I was pretty smart, but I wasn't whether or not I was or I wasn't as intelligent as them or as good in school as them, I quickly started defining myself as not that.
1: The smart Martin and girl so that, that was already taken. That part that was already spot was already taken.
0: For. The smart Martin girl was already taken. Exactly, and so I don't know how conscious it was. And looking back, it's really hard for me to parse like how much I was doing a thing and how much it was just what was happening, but. I felt a lot of conflict around being the like not smart kid in my family
1: and even though you were perfectly intelligent right but you you, you felt like that part was taken and you had to de-identify that yeah and I that. kind
0: of like laugh now with my mom looking back on it that I was like the great black sheep of the family I'm like parents would pay to have a black sheep like right. me you know I mean come on like I was not you know running around smoking cigarettes under the and knifing kids in the bathrooms I was like getting 91 instead of 99 on my tests right but that was enough to make me sort of like the other
1: right well i've tried to lean into that in my own in my own parenting because my my boys are 19 months apart so very close and so from the very beginning i have had them sort of develop separate spheres of influence they don't play the same sports they don't play the same instruments they do different extracurricular activities uh, they don't even take the same foreign language at school. I've I've tried in as many ways as possible to have them not be able to compete by just doing just doing different things from the outset, and I think it's worked pretty well. In that, I think that they because they are because they are now interested in different things because they would have been anyway, there's not this competition of, well, I'm a pretty good basketball player, but I'm not as good as my older brother, which, hello, I mean, that, that's what I saw in my son. He was always furious that he couldn't run as fast, throw as far as his year-and-a-half older brother, which, of course, he couldn't. He was shorter, he was lighter. He wasn't, right, you're four, you're not six. You're not supposed to be able to run as fast as somebody who's six, but for my middle child, it was a constant stress in his life that he couldn't do everything as well as his brother as if that were an expectation so i've tried very hard to find him things to be great at that his brother has nothing to do with
0: yeah and i mean i think that's a that's a noble undertaking and a valid um thing to try but i think also that some of this stuff is the way of the world like the reason birth order is identifiable and happens is because some of these things are the way of the world like you're if you live with someone older and stronger than you in the house, you are going to have a certain feeling of not being strong. and that kids and humans are very adaptable and that's a good thing. And so part you can't fight having birth order in the house. like we I have my sister's uh, kids staying with me right now because she's on a trip. And I find myself constantly saying to the two older boys who are like, I'm better at the piano than Peggy, who's five. I'm <laughs> right. like, No doubt. Right, you're you're eight and a half and she's five. Why are we even having this conversation? Mm-hmm. But that conversation is being repeated on like the schoolyard and everywhere. Like I cannot stop the conversation that is that Peggy is gonna go through a lot of her life being the least good at something in our family. And I'm willing to kind of just accept that at a certain point. I think it also really toughens her up. Like Peggy is very, um, my my five-year-old is very, um, she's kind of very adorable, like blonde curls and big eyes and cute squeaky voice. And one thing that I would worry about as an only child, is she gets a tremendous amount of attention for being cute uh-huh. and adorable. And like people kind of fawn all over her and like, oh, you're so pretty. You're so cute. Oh, look at you. And... One thing I like about her growing up in our family is that her brothers don't care about that at all. No. That's that doesn't work at all. So she she can't lean on the I'm adorable skill set to get through her day, which I'm very grateful for because that's a very annoying skill set to be your go to <laughs> as an adult. Like really no one wants to deal with a person who's like, You could just do it for me because I'm adorable. Yeah. Like that that's a good way to just yeah everyone on earth you're right despise you um and and one thing i like it's it, is that in our house she gets no mileage out of being adorable and so she's got to work on other skill sets which is that's that's the good thing
1: that is that's that's well and said.
0: everything is a double-edged sword in that way i mean the birth order stuff I think you're right. You have identified the thing of like, okay, try to find them their own spheres. Try to find them their own places to shine. Don't lean into the thing of like, yeah, your brother's bigger and stronger. <laughs> like, find ways around that story. But then try to figure out how the story works for you too, you know?
1: But let's, all right, so let's talk about, let's talk about sort of each person in the family, right? each role in the family and things you kind of have to watch out for. So so sure. since we're talking about the youngest, so let's let's let's, let's start with them the the thing about the youngest I think you have to be careful or I'll I'll speak for me that I have to be careful of is to not baby the youngest and to remember that a nine-year-old can cut her own steak right I, I find myself doing things for my youngest that I didn't do for her oldest brother at that age because she is my youngest
0: yeah and I think also um not overprotecting the youngest as like oh she's just the baby and right creating that role for them within the family of like oh they have this special protective status because they're the youngest uh, can be cause a lot of conflict yeah yeah right a lot so of I resentment. try not to throw mm-hmm. my five year old to the wolves of her brothers but I also try not to spend a lot of time being like leave her alone she's the baby she's little
1: there's another thing about last borns I mean because we're I think we're making it sound like they're that they kind of get the uh, other than the sibling uh, heaps of scorn they kind of get the best of everything from the parents but on the other on the flip side you can argue that their milestones don't get the same attention as certainly the firstborns like your your last kid learning to ride a bike or first communion or what I don't know whatever or, or writing in cursive or getting a 100 on a spelling test should be as big a deal as when the oldest kid did
0: it yeah but it never will be right so sorry last kid yeah I mean, but it's you, the can, you can lean into the baby that. book right I mean my my son's baby book is like filled out in cursive in like beautiful black calligraphy ink every single page filled with pictures and my daughter's has her name on the cover like yeah sorry third kid like th- that's where I feel like and this is where I think sometimes we differ but I just tend to be a real realist about that stuff like there are pros and cons to everything in life. And the pro to being the youngest is that you get attention and babied and yay. But the con is that I forgot to fill out your baby book. And I can try, but I don't know that I can completely overcome those things. You can do it in yes, little ways. I ran behind the oldest bike for 500 miles. And I'm going to just help. hope that you figure it out yourself some Saturday. I mean, I'm all for fighting against these roles. But I'm not here to say to people like, Oh, you're going to be able to completely flip this stuff. There's a reason why the kids' baby book, why the oldest is filled out perfectly and the third one is blank.
1: No, I, I think you're right. You can't. You can't counteract the the weight of these rules in the family. Nor do you need to. These aren't such horrible things. They make us who. The, the birth order book is subtitled "Why You Are the Way You Are."
0: <laughs> right? So- exactly. I mean. And, and you can try, like, I definitely sneak, I have on my endless to do list, like fill out Peggy's baby book. Like at some point I'm going to try to go back and like fill it in so that when she's old enough to look at it, she won't cry. But
1: good luck remembering you... anything, right? I mean, the, for the last, oh, tra- yeah I'll tra- just make it up.
0: Though. I mean, it's <laughs> fine. I'll totally lie. I'll be like, oh yeah, that tooth came in that day. I mean, who cares? <laughs> she's not going to check me. Yeah. So you can combat this stuff to a degree, right? But there is, but everybody, everybody gets. It's a double-edged sword for everybody. All right, so That's that middle way- child, let's let's move on to
1: the middle child since I'm thinking of that. i I, I read this tip for parenting a middle child better, and it was like, <gasps> oh boy, make sure that you have pictures around the house that are of your middle child without the older child also being in the photo. And this is totally true for us. Like we did a bajillion baby photos of the oldest, right? And then once the second one came along, we did cute photo shoots of the two brothers together in matching outfits, holding hands. And we leaned a little heavy on those and a little light on. But the second kid was also his own person, not just a junior version of the first person.
0: Yeah, and I mean, it really is difficult. Like David and I have definitely had periods of our parenting where we've gotten into bed at night and I'm like the note for tomorrow we almost have to hang a note that's like pay attention to Harry because yeah. he's easy and quiet like he doesn't demand as much attention but then I can see sometimes I mean he's classic middle child. he's like a little star for attention and so it's something that we actually make a note of sometimes like tomorrow let's give it give Harry his day like just how is you know really pay extra attention to him because it is hard
1: there's a little thing you can do to help with that with middle kids, which is to give them the power of small decisions. What should we have for dinner tonight? Or yeah. you know, what do you, or do the menu for the week or whatever. Give them give them the power of that, or give them little special treats, like on Wednesday at seven, the new I don't know, Paw Patrol is coming on and. Harry gets the couch all to himself and he's going to, and he's going to watch on the big TV and he's going to get that. That's his special time and nobody can come in or
0: whatever. It could be a little thing that's just A little side note to this entire thing that like this whole conversation brings out in me my like repressed Irish heritage where I'm like, I can hear my grandmother be like, why are you even having this conversation? Mm -hmm. You're feeding these kids and you're putting a roof over their Mm -hmm. head. Like, The minutiae of how, whether or not you have enough pictures of them not holding hand with the siblings, like this whole conversation would make my grandmother's head explode. Well,
1: again, because your your grandmother probably had at least one sibling who didn't make it to adulthood. I know mine did.
0: She was one of 13 and she had three.
1: Yeah. So uh, yeah. My my grandmother, if she were listening right now, she would say "tweet tweet," and that was her that was her sort of embodiment of exactly that. Like on Christmas morning, she'd look at the toys that Santa brought for all of us and say "tweet tweet" because she'd get an orange and a kind look, right? And that was, Wait,
0: what does "tweet tweet" mean? Like this it is just all... was
1: like the ex the excess of this moment mm-hmm. is more "tweet tweet." It was. It was tweet tweet when there were three kinds of pie, you know, when there were too many Christmas presents, right? Just this is this is all just so far beyond anything that I could ever imagine and in a not good way.
0: Right? Yeah. And so I do. I, I mean, all I mean to say by that is like, this is an interesting thing to think about. And certainly there are things about it you can counter, but like it it quickly teeters over into like this navel gazling type of parenting that's like. Oh my god I must protect my child from the order of their birth and that I find is kind of useless and not super necessary.
1: Well I think it's QED that we can't protect our children from every bit of disappointment in their lives right we have already we've already established mean? that quote erat demonstrandum QED means oh. we've already established that so we're not going to Yes. We won't we won't yes. litigate that.
0: Exactly. QED E D that the very first child expression Q-E-D, By the way, we're not
1: supposed to protect them from every little thing. You're right, and they're and they're and 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 like I said, the birth order thing. It's not like these are horrible um, scarring things. But right, you know, right. you can you can you can make sure to ask your middle child. Make sure they get to pick pick right. the thing once, once in a while. Once in a while, while, them, in a while. pick, pick a what the TV show the is going to be. Pick what's pick what's for dinner. And because my a, a thing about middle kids that I definitely see is true uh, they particularly hate when decisions are made for them. Mm-hmm. When my, when my son is mad at me about anything, his, his sort of top 10 greatest hit is that I always sign him up for stuff and then tell him about it.
0: Mm-hmm. And this is true
1: whether I have, he, he will choose to forget, but he'll, you didn't ask me to, if I wanted to do
0: chorus, you just signed me up. And that, and that,
1: I've learned to be very careful about that and not do that, but he still gets mad at me for doing it, even if that's I did the, talk like, to him. That's like
0: love measure, like unbelievable sense of justice that the mm-hmm. middle child tends to have, mm-hmm. and I think that's something that yeah, it can be a good quality again, but it can be very like something that becomes obsessive and becomes kind of definitive.
1: Yes, right. So I think that's worth that's worth pressing against by just making Definitely sure that they feel like they're making their own against. decisions. Kind of. Sometimes. And then
0: with the youngest, I think it's important to not baby them, but also to help them find tools to deal with the fact that they're the smallest in the family. Right. Because I, I do know some youngest children who, you know, have felt very bullied in the family, have felt very like the runt of the litter who never gets their way and, it's another thing to sort of help them fight back against.
1: Right, but in, 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 their, in their own way, to do it themselves, right? To do it without necessarily getting your attention so you intervene. So right, I'm, I'm and so work that on you're that. not
0: always, your role is not always championing the littlest against the bigger ones. Right. So and it's like, oh, they, they always have mom on their side. And
1: find ways to emphasize their, their growing independence and the things that they're achieving rather than how cute and adorable they are.
0: Otherwise, basement dweller forever, <laughs>
1: which is forever. not going to go well for you. Okay, so the oldest kid—we haven't talked about the oldest kid yet—and and I I know this to be true. I read this and said yes, it's true. Firstborn parents can be particularly hard on firstborn children. Um, and so I, and, and my husband and I are both firstborn parents. Um, so you know we definitely you know the
0: happiest marriages are between lastborn siblings.
1: Oh gosh! Well, my youngest brother is is a last born married to a last born, and yeah, they, like their lives are like chaotic and and, and happy.
0: My uh, my research told me last borns or only children who ma- marry other last borns make the best match.
1: Well, too late for me. Wait, wait,
0: what's the what's next your... most successful pairing? Are middle children and last borns? Okay. What do you? What's I'm, what's your marriage? I'm oldest married to youngest middle.
1: And how's that go? So my
0: husband's a firstborn. Okay, and is that, is that pretty good? Is that? I mean, it's going fine so far. I don't <laughs> think our problem is birth order. When the problems come, I don't think it has to do with we,
1: birth order. We're too old, isn't? Is that a bad idea?
0: Yeah, I think it is. <coughs> I think you're doomed.
1: We're also a Virgo Gemini. you which, if you, you know, choose to look into that, as like, oh my God, what have you done? My that's husband sort of the and worst I are thing. Virgo Virgo. <gasps> I think that's probably pretty good.
0: Because only know. another
1: Virgo can. I didn't know you were also a Virgo.
0: Um, yeah, but I'm—I don't—I'm I, a Virgo, which is why I don't believe in horoscopes. Because you're a Virgo too, right? Yes. And my sister's a Virgo. We have nothing in common. Yeah, no, it's, I'm. That's a, why I don't believe in it.
1: I'm a Virgo cubed.
0: You're like a Virgo. That you're like I'm the poster the, the picture child. Of me. Yes, <laughs> exactly. How can we both be Virgos? It's crazy. It doesn't make sense. Um, anyway, that's a topic for a different day. Horoscopes. A
1: different day. But the oldest. All right. So here's here's something you should. So I try to be uh to constantly let my oldest child know that while I'm proud of his 98 I would also be proud of a you know 81 if it really represented his his best effort his
0: best effort yeah
1: um I really try to do that um I and but in little ways I thought this was a good sort of parenting tip That you shouldn't try to improve upon anything an oldest child does. Like my my oldest child now, we're starting thanks to this podcast. We've really ramped up our expectations of what the kids do around the house, and so dinner cleanup is an all family affair. You know, dinner prep and dinner cleanup is an is an everybody affair. And he's really good at it. But I will definitely he's really good at it, and then he's very willing to do what needs to be done. Um, but I definitely like repack the dishwasher to make it more to make it fit more stuff.
0: Um, To make it better, Amy. To make it just a little bit better better. You're totally um, my mother. I still go and put the dishes away when I'm staying with my mom and she comes behind me and repacks the dishwasher. <laughs> it's very, it's very comforting. I'm like, some things never change.
1: So that's, that's something for me to look within and maybe, and maybe uh, resist the urge to perfect the things that my oldest child does. Cause I definitely see him do that to his younger brother, less so now that they're older, but when they were little, five and three, he'd say like, Oh, that's a, you just drew a pretty good snowman, Shay. It would be even better if you did it this way, right? Right, right,
0: right. The th- leader, right? That's how, right, that's how
1: oldest people are. So it's so, oldest kids. So, but be careful not to oldest do that to your oldest kid who is already hard enough on himself.
0: So, to sum up, what we've learned about birth order, birth order is a thing. It's a thing. We find the Q-E-D. birth roles fairly <laughs> recognizable. Q E D, as <laughs> oldest Amy likes to say. Um, but. We can fight against reinforcing the stereotypes of birth order. We can check who we allow to be the leader in the house and see if there are ways to help define our younger or middles as the leader in certain situations. Um, We can check ourselves very carefully when we find ourselves voicing what the roles in the family are out loud. You take it, you're the most responsible. You, oh, you're always leaving your stuff. You're not responsible. Oh, you're always forgetful. Like when we find ourselves giving voice to roles for our children, we should check ourselves and try not to do that.
1: I agree. And so for, and for the youngest, help them find ways to assert themselves that don't involve getting you involved.
0: And one thing that you said that I thought was really good is help the middle and youngers find their own spheres. Yes find ways to participate in things that are different than what their um their siblings are doing
1: because they're going to want to de-identify anyway so that's that's fine that's the way of the world so help them do it i mean i didn't i didn't necessarily force my kids to pick different different things but
0: i certainly encouraged it
1: and then and i should
0: probably go fill out my third kid's baby book so that she doesn't have to go to therapy and talk about how i never loved her
1: and I would I would add one more thing. Be aware of your own birth order and how it may shape your parenting somewhat, which is probably only a problem if you're a firstborn like me.
0: Good. Well, we want to know what's going on with birth order at your house. Uh, are you seeing these same kind of things play out? Is your oldest a leader? Is your middle fair minded and is your youngest a free-willing artist type? Uh, come join the conversation on Facebook. We are at facebook.com forward slash Hellcast.
1: We're also on Twitter at Hellfresh. And you can visit us on our website, whatfreshhellpodcast.com. We're going to put links to some of the research and books that we mentioned today on there. And you can always leave us a comment there. We love to hear what you're interested in, what you want to hear more
0: about. Yeah, so come and please weigh in on any of those uh, platforms. And Also tell us what you'd like to hear us talking about on the show. We've had a lot of interesting topics so far, but we'd love to know what you would like to hear more about. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll talk to you next time. Bye.